Hey, I want to do uh, something real quick. We have uh, our online church family joining us right now on Facebook, live streaming all over. We're one church in many living rooms across uh, our area. So church, would you do me a favor and help us join everyone watching online? Welcome to church. Come on, Active Church, give them a... Yes. Wherever you're watching from, we're glad you're tuning in. And uh, we're pumped, man. Today, uh, it's awesome. As, as Andrew said, it is Legacy Offering Sunday. We've been talking about that for, gosh, five weeks. And the reason why we talk about it a lot, you're probably like, I'm, you're like I get it. We're, we're going to bring, bring our offering. The reason is we don't want anyone to feel like uh, pressured. So I hope you've been praying about that and, and talked to God about it. And just, today, just do whatever God told you to do. And uh, we're going to do that. We're going to receive those offerings at the end. And I'm, I'm excited because we're buying a building, as you guys know. And um, there's a couple, I have a couple photos I want to show you. We had some elevations dr drawn up of the church, kind of where it's at, where it's going to be. Um, can we throw those photos up there? think we might have them. Well, when we get them, just wave at me. Uh, you guys let me know when we get those when those photos. But anyways, the church right now, is it's old. It was built in the 1960s. It looks like it's from 1960. It's got like chandeliers and there's like a uh, pink carpet. And uh, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. I want to show you guys. So when you're driving down Johnson Avenue right now, what you see is an older church building. But the bottom, bottom picture, that west elevation, that's going to be our church home. Isn't that cool looking? I just think it's cool. I'm like, this is awesome. Um, and so what you see is when you're driving up Johnson, kind of heading towards Laurel, it's about a mile and a half from here. So we're just a hop, skip, and a jump from downtown. We're still going to be here for like quarterly worship nights and big events and stuff like that. We'll probably still have some large events here at the Fremont. So we're still going to be kind of dipping into the Fremont because... Yes, the Fremont's pretty cool, right? This is pretty cool. It's where it all started. So, but uh, that's gonna what we're doing. We're adding some really cool features. Uh, we're adding. We're taking away some, uh, taking some away the older features and adding just a, a modernized flair. And so, um, what we've decided, um, we we talked with our trustees. We talked with our budget, uh, kind of like our committee, to see what this is going to cost us. And so today, right now, to date, we've raised. And just before we've even done this offering, we've already raised over $180,000 to renovate and buy this building. Yeah. So I'm believing for today, we're trying to, we're, we, I'm believing God for the rest of it today. We're, we're believing for God to, to fill that gap of $368,000 so that we can get into the building and begin having a church home that we can use as a tool to reach more people for Jesus. So let's give God uh, a hand of a round of applause for just his faithfulness to us. And we're just going to believe. So um, I'm excited. And it looks kind of like my old high school colors, which is kind of weird. I used to try to get out of high school. I tried to leave early or go. Remember when they used to have off campus for lunch? Do they still have that? Can you go off campus for lunch? All right. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and pray right now. And we're going to get into it. And then at the end of service, we'll go ahead and receive those offerings. And I'm going to believe that God's going to do something incredible through us. Are you guys ready for church? All right, let's, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for all that you're doing. Lord, we thank you that um, you're building your church and the gates of hell will never conquer it. We thank you, Lord, that you're in the business of changing lives. And Lord, it's not about buildings. It's not about budgets. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about building people, Lord. That's your church, Lord. And so this, this next season, Lord, we're, we're believing, God, that this is going to be a tool to help establish this church in this community, to give us a, a legacy, Lord, that will be, that will outlive us, God, and something, Lord, that will, I believe, will make a difference eternally, Lord, as we make disciples that will go into every part of the earth 
to bring the good news that, man, Jesus is alive and he can forgive sins. We thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. I'm gonna get situated here. I, uh, I'm excited. We had a, uh, so speaking of, I was, we were just setting up right now and uh, I drove the trailer, the little trailer. We have two big trailers, by the way, and one's little, but it's like, I drive it, like it's a 15, 15 footer. And uh, this morning we had a, uh, last, uh, two nights ago, we had someone in front of my house break into our trailer, okay? And uh, so if you, saw, if you heard no music this morning when you're walking in, it's because I think they took some cables. So, uh, but it's crazy when you're a portable church, like I, will, I literally at midnight, I opened the window because I got a pregnant wife. How many of you guys get hot at night? Yeah, you like open the window. My wife's pregnant. She's like, please open the window. I'm opening the window. And all of a sudden I see a car chirp out and I'm like, oh Lord. And then the next morning I see a guy or uh, my neighbor's like, hey, your trailer's open. I'm like, oh Lord, help us. But everything was still in there except for a couple cables. But uh, I'm excited to get a permanent location where we're not gonna have as many trailers. Amen, somebody. So let's go. Hey, um, the question we're asking today is, is really, how is God building his church? How many of you know the church is not just a building, it's, it's really, it's about, it's people, it's the people of God. And we are in a series called, Bill, uh, it's called Build Your Church, and we're asking God, Lord, what is it, this thing called the church, and why is it important? How do we continue to build this thing with you and co-labor with you so that you might do what you want to do in our midst? And so we've been looking at this idea where Jesus and Matthew, he kind of, he asks, hey, what do the people say, who are the people that say that I am? And they're like, some say you're the, you know, you're the Elisha, the Old Testament prophet. Some believe you're, you're John reincarnated. And he looks at his guys, he goes, who do you say that I, that I am? And Peter says, man, I believe you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, bingo, you got it. You're blessed. You're blessed, Simon, because you, this is not revealed to you by anything other than the, the power of God. And he goes, and, and Peter, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not conquer it. And so what happened was Jesus would eventually go to the cross. We all know this. We celebrate this every Easter. He goes to the cross and we know the story. It's like when you're watching, do you ever like watch a movie and you know like it's in season one and you know there's like three seasons on Netflix. So you're like, you know the main character is not gonna die. And you have the perspective to go, of course he's not gonna die. There's four seasons of this. This isn't Squid Games. We're not gonna, they're not all gonna die, right? Um, you're like, can he, can he say that at church? Yes, I said that. And so you kind of watch this, but we have the perspective as Christians now in this, in 2021 to know that Jesus goes to the cross, but then he comes back on the third day. But all of his followers didn't know that. And they had all their hope in this guy named Jesus who was performing miracles, signs and wonders. And they were ecstatic. They're like, man, this is our chance. We are now gonna be a part of something amazing. Like the Romans take that, we're gonna kick you out. We're gonna become the preeminent superpower in the Middle East. It's all about God and it's all about Israel. It's all about God's people being in power once again. So we're gonna be out of slavery. It's gonna be awesome. And then on a Friday, Jesus goes up on a cross, on a Roman cross and is killed. And all hope was lost. Could you imagine? You had that moment where everything like stopped in your world and you're like, what is going on? But here's something incredible. Three days later, the tomb is empty Jesus is resurrected. The people are going crazy. Jesus comes and hangs out with them. 
for 40 days, he's like, hey, you don't believe me? Like, touch my wounds. Like, I'm, I died, but now I'm alive again. And he hangs out with his friends and his family and these bunch of people, some hundreds of people hung out with Jesus. And for 40 days, a month and a half, he hangs out with his disciples. He pours into people. He's just kicking it with them, hanging out. And all of a sudden, he goes and he ascends into heaven. He goes, but hang on, hang on. And Acts, we see this. He goes, I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit. And so just go up in the upper room and wait for my spirit. And they do. And he comes. And they're now emboldened with the power of the Holy Spirit to go into, and they went from cowards to emboldened people that were willing to lose their lives. And many did for the sake of the gospel. And the streets were flooded with them. They couldn't stop these Christians from reproducing. They're like, man, everywhere we go, we're trying to stomp this whole thing out, this whole way of Jesus. And every single person's like, we can't help it. This isn't about a story about a teaching. This isn't just a good book. They're literally saying, look, a man was raised from the dead. His name is Jesus and he's the son of God. And I don't care who knows, that's what I saw. And then suddenly a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus comes on scene and he goes, I gotta kill all these people. I gotta get, they, they are blasphemous. They're saying that Jesus is somehow the Messiah. No way, Jose, I'm gonna kill them all, lock them up. And he starts doing that. And suddenly he has a moment when he's going on his way to kill some Christians and imprison them. He, Saul of Tarsus, who is a, he's a, he's a, a Benjamite, so he's an Israelite, but he has Roman citizenship and he's, a, he's basically a lawyer of lawyers. He's a Pharisee. He's very, very well educated. He's going around killing Christians, locking them up, saying, hey, this is way off. And all of a sudden he has a moment with Jesus and Jesus says, Paul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he's blinded by the light. That's where we get, blinded by the light. I don't even know what it says right there. It sounds bad. It doesn't even sound like, it sounds like a weird song. Some of you guys are like, what is he talking about? It's a song, Blinded by the Light. Google it. So Paul's blinded by the light, and all of a sudden, he receives his sight three days later on this straight street. The man goes to him, and he, suddenly he can see. And the number one inquisitor, the number one persecutor of the local church is now on God's team. And he begins planting these churches all over the Mediterranean rim, all over the known world. He's going into parts of Asia Minor, Turkey, modern-day Turkey. He's going all over uh, uh, the, the known world, and he's planting churches, telling Greek-speaking Roman citizens, Hey, I know you like believe in all these pantheon of gods, but I know the real God, and let me tell you about him. His name is Jesus. And he begins proclaiming the gospel, the good news, that no longer are you separated from God because of your sins, that if you choose to give your life and surrender your heart and surrender your life to Jesus and commit yourself to him that all of your sins are wiped away and he says this and he dude this guy is going crazy people are catching wind of this and the church is expanding like a wildfire and it spreads and spreads and then in 67 AD Caesar Nero puts Paul to death and you think well certainly this thing's done no it continues to spread. It continues like wildfire. And 2,000 years later, here we are lifting up the name of Jesus and people name their animals, their cats, Nero, and they name their kids Paul. <laughs> and the Christian message of Jesus being the Messiah has radically changed the known world. Radically changed the known world. 
and we're a part of that still. You and I are a part of that. So here's the question I want to ask and answer today. Here's the question. Does the church still matter? To which all the Christians emphatically say. And if you're not a Christian, you're like, I don't know, maybe. Does the church, is our message relevant today? If you're watching online, like you think about, you're, you're tuning in, like, you're like, is this, does this matter? Is this something that I should be giving my life to? Should I be sacrificing to build this thing? Should I be praying about this? Like, does our message make a difference as a local church? Like, is the church, like if the church were to go away tomorrow and our message and our, our songs and our teachings of Jesus, if the local church ceased to exist tomorrow, and aside from like, you know, where do you go when you die in heaven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like if the, if the cultural movement of the local church, the message, if it were just to be wiped off the earth, would anyone miss us? That's the question, the tension I want to talk about for a few minutes. And I believe it's a, a thousand percent, yes, the church matters, if you're wondering. Amen? Yes, God is still building his church, and we are recipients and stewards of something amazing, and it's a message that must continue on to the next generation. So what we're doing, church, matters 1,000 percent, yes. The church's answers to really big questions about life, about morality, about eternity, about death, about pain, sorrow. Show me another worldview that can answer the questions about sin, about sadness, about brokenness. You see, it's not just about a person. It's not just about God getting someone saved. It's about that person then carrying the torch and living a life in a new way, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to go and to be, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to people that need him. So does the church really matter? Because we were born in a culture, and I'm just gonna kind of talk about America for a moment, because that's all I know, because I'm American. Um, the problem is Americans, it's very difficult for us to appreciate what we've been given, isn't it? So much so that there's people now making up problems to complain about. <laughs> I'm going to talk real carefully right now. There's people that are making up problems saying our country is this and our country is that. And yeah, we have some stains on our country. And yeah, there's things that if you look in history books, you're going to go, that was bad. Like everyone's got that, right? You have that. Heck, you have pages in your book. You wish you could just go, Shh. Take that out. So we all own that, right? But it's, I think we don't appreciate how good America is. And I think it's, it's impossible for us to fully appreciate it because we were born into a culture where certain values were accepted as normative and certain values were taught, whether it was in high school or, or elementary school and public school, in your home. And we've come to believe that the entire world believes the way we believe about humanity because we have been brought up in a culture that had these values imprinted on us from the very get-go. Not because we're better than people, not because Ameri you know, we're these American kind of people going, hey, America is the only way. No, 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 the kingdom of God is the way and it's a better way. And, but America was built on some really specific values and I see what's happening in our society and you do too and you're going man right used to be right and wrong used to be wrong but now it's like this and I don't know what to do about it and so we get real quiet and passive and we're like well I don't want to be labeled as one of those extremists but I certainly don't want to be labeled as one of those people and you're in the middle does anyone feel that 
You're in the middle as a Christian going, how do I manage this tension? Because I love God and I love his passion. I love his purpose for my life. I want more of God. And what happens is it's hard for us to even acknowledge the fact that something in our country, in, our, in the United States of America, that the, the church has helped become, it has helped be the, the undercurrent, the, the value system that we all agree is like, yeah, that's right and that's wrong, but the rest of the world doesn't always agree like that. And so we're accustomed to this and we can't appreciate the value of the local church because it's just something that we've grown up around. And even if you're not a churchgoer, you're new to Christianity or you're not a Christian, we have to be, acknowledge the fact that somehow, some way, the local church in America has shaped the values and the structure. And because of that, there are some things that we just take for granted. And in order for us to fully understand this, I think we need a different perspective. See, in the 1980s, China wanted to be a superpower. And they've kind of become that economically, haven't they? And so what they started doing is they started studying us from a very, very early, uh, like, you know, post-Vietnam post into the 80s, China was like, how is it that America is such an economic superpower? What are they doing differently? And how can we become an economic superpower? How can we have the influence of the Americans? And so what happened was there was a guy by the name of David Aikman. David Aikman was a man who was, uh, he wrote lots of books. He was the former... Uh, bureau chief for the Beijing version of Time Magazine. Um, he was a very, very learned man. He, he had many degrees. He was a doctor. Uh, and he, this guy David, interviewed many people, um, people that you would know like Mother Teresa, Boris Yeltsin, um, people that were probably, that are probably dead now, Billy Graham. He was a big deal and he interviewed these people and what he had a chance to do one time is he sat with a bunch of Chinese social, uh, they were socialists, but they were, they were actually sociologists as well. They're communist China, but they, he sat with them and they were paid a lot of money by the federal government, by their government to study America. And it's interesting what he found out. He said that they, they, they found out that the Chinese were looking at us going, there's something about them that we can't quite figure out. And in this book, here's what he says. Here's what the Chinese sociologist said about America and about us. And I'm going somewhere about the church. So don't just stay with me, okay? Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. Quote, this is from the Chinese sociologist. One of the things that we were asked to look at was what accounted for the success. In fact, the preeminence of the Western world all over the globe. In other words, what makes America tick and why are they so influential? So this group of social scientists were given the task of why is America influential? So they had the smartest guys in the room, objective scientists trying to figure out, not for any sort of gain other than just, we wanna have an economic advantage over our, uh, our American people. We want, we, want, we want to be a superpower. And so they sent them and they had all this research and here it goes on to say, quote, we studied everything we could from the historical, political, economic, and cultural perspective. At first, we thought it was because you had more powerful guns than we had. They're like, oh, I get it. You guys just have, you guys, you guys can bring more lead to the party. That's why you're powerful. Watch this. Then, wasn't that. We thought because you had the best political system, 
That was it. Next, we focus on your economic system. So they're going down line. Like, is it your guns? Is it your uh, political uh, system? Is it your economic system? Now, you, you don't think like, you and I don't think this way. We think it's our economy. It's our position globally. We've got incredible breadth of landscape. We have smart bombs. We have weapons. We have all this stuff. Like we're, you know, right now we're looking at the world and some of you guys are studying, uh, you've studied history and you're looking at like where, what things are happening, where our money's going. You're like, I don't know if we're still a superpower. And I would, I would challenge you that the Chinese got it right. And they've, they actually studied us for so long that the tables have turned. But at one point, the secret sauce, watch this. The most well-funded group in China that were studying Americans and trying to figure out what makes you so special. They, were, they, they had this moment. They're like, the secret sauce in America, we figured it out. We've discovered it. Do you want to know what they found out? It's not your political system, America. It's not your, your economic system. It's not the fact that you have guns. It's Christianity. They discovered that our secret sauce is our religion. Now pause, some of you are going, there's not that many Christians in America. People claim to be Christian and there's data that shows, I, I understand what you're saying, I get it. But the Chinese are going, no, 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 there's something built into the fabric of your people that is different than the rest of the world. It's taken for granted by you guys, but we see it objectively because here's what we think. We think we're not even that good at Christians to make that kind of difference. We can't do that, but an objective group who really wanted to be better than us, who studied us from a purely economic standpoint, stat, stands back and says, you know what? You may not know the secret of your success as a country, as a nation, but we've looked at it. And it's not your bombs. It's not your government. It's something else. It's your religion. It's your Christianity. And that's what makes it so powerful. And it goes on. The Christian moral foundation on the social cultural life was what made possible the emergence of capitalism and then the successful transition to democratic politics. We have no doubt about this, they said, end quote. It wasn't just capitalism, church. It was capitalism with conscience. It was capitalism and conscience It was informed by who? By the message and teaching of Jesus. Found where? In the power, in the pews, in the seats that are powered by local churches just like this one all across our great nation, preaching the good news of the gospel, telling people there's a better way and his name is Jesus and the byproduct of that changed the known world. There's a better way, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So what does that mean for us? This is what happens. Here's what it goes on to say. Studies by the Chinese sociologists reveal that in rural areas of China, where traveling evangelists, we'd call those missionaries, introduce Christian faith in this area of China, rural China, here's what happens. Opium addiction goes down. Where there's Christianity introduced, Christian families grow wealthier and happier than their neighbors. Guess what happens to crime? It drops. No one's breaking into trailers all of a sudden. <laughs> and as Americans, we think, oh, you know, it's just human nature informs your consciousness. You know, like, it's just laws and regulation. We're all good people. No, 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 no. We're very bad people. 
The Bible doesn't teach that you're good. The Bible teaches that you and I are objects of wrath. Aren't you glad you came to church? Welcome to online family. We're all sinners. Christianity has shaped the values and the consciousness of our nation. And what seems natural and good to us is not natural at all. Natural is violent. Nature is violent. Have you ever seen like a storm? Andrew's from Oklahoma. He knows. Nature can be violent. I'm like, Andrew, why do you always know what's going on with the weather? He's like, oh, because we had uh, tornadoes in Oklahoma. They rip through neighborhoods and they don't apologize about it. Nature doesn't care about people. Tsunamis don't care about killing innocent women and children. They just come in. It's just part of nature. I once went on a safari in Africa. We were in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. We were on a mission trip. And if you're, on, if you're ever in that part of the world, you don't just go to the mission trip. You go, hey, guys, can we stop off at the safari and see so lions kill some things? That'd be awesome. And we did that. And uh, there's a photo here of a lion. Here's the thing about lions. I didn't see any lions on our trip. My dad and I were there. We're like, we're gonna see some lions. We heard them. We were on the back of this Land Rover. It was like open frame Land Rover. And we were like looking for buzzers. And our, our guide, Morat, he's like, they might be over there. Might be over there. Let's go. And we go over there. You know, no, no, no lion, no lion. I'm like, dang it. Come on, Morat, let's go. We didn't see any lions. But here's what we know about lions. If you ever watch Discovery Channel, and you didn't see lions on TV, you see Discovery Channel, you have the, the British guys like, no, the female lion is on the, is on the she's an alpha predator. She stalks her prey. It's pretty good. I didn't even practice that. I practice these things too, by the way. I don't stand in front of a mirror and do it, but I do practice. You're welcome. The lions don't eat, kill a water buffalo and then go, you know what? We need to give the jekylls or the hyenas some food. Hey, hyenas, come here, come here. It's been a while since you ate. Hey, why don't you guys go first? We'll give you the best cut of meat. No, 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 no. The circle of life goes like this. The big cat eats first, then the hyenas, then the jekylls, then some little rodents, and then the buzzards come. That's how it works because that's nature. Nature gives a rip about fairness. Nature could care less about who gets what. It's me, myself, and I. Dog eat dog, me first, survival of the fittest, because nature is not nice. And so for us to think, well, you know, we're just, we're natural people just informing our, our consciousness informs us of what's good and what's evil and what's right and wrong. We don't need a morality. We don't need any of that. That's all just made up nonsense. We just do what feels good. And if you live your life like that, you will end up in a not good place. Just ask anybody that's messed up their life and made some stupid decisions. They'll tell you, don't do that, bro. Uh-uh. My friend Brandon likes to mess with people and he says, just listen to your heart in a mocking way. Like, no, don't do that. Just follow your heart. Follow your heart to divorce courts, what you're gonna do. Thank you, Brandon. That's natural. Human nature isn't any better. Human nature looks like this. Me first, my needs. You're not, you're not doing what I need to, to do, husband, so I'm gonna get a new one. Wife, new wife. I don't like you. I want something else. Human nature is like adultery. If it feels good, do it. Human nature is, hey, 
Let's just do what we feel like doing. Hey, cheating on your taxes, cheating on uh, getting by, and human nature says, if I can do it and I can get away with it, well, I might do that. The only reason some of us don't cheat on our taxes is because we're afraid of getting caught by the FBI or the feds. Or the, that's not the FBI, <laughs> it's the IRS, there you go. Who knows what the FBI is doing these days? They might be coming over too. It's human nature. Left to your own devices, if you thought you could get away with it, you might. That's what natural is, lying, slavery. First come, first serve, eye for an eye. And what we don't understand is that we can't fully appreciate the church in the matters of what's happening in our world. And here's what happens. Because the teachings of Jesus through the local church, we actually now have a way to overcome darkness. Without the teachings of Jesus moved through the vehicle of the local church, we would have chaos. You would, it'd be eye for an eye. It'd be, hey, if I can beat you and take it, might makes right, I'm taking mine. We would have an utter, an utterly chaotic environment everywhere we look. And this is so cool, because here's what happens. We have a teaching in the Bible, Apostle Paul talks about this, the guy that spread Christianity to the known world throughout the Mediterranean, planted all these churches. I wanna to read to you out of Galatians chapter five. And if you're not a Bible reader, you should read your Bible. <laughs> if you don't have a Bible, download the free version Bible app and start reading it. It's amazing and it's free. And no one, listen, nobody, re if you're like on the fence about Christianity, you don't read any, you're like, I don't read the Bible because I'm not a Christian. Listen, I'm challenging you to check it out. Here's why. You don't pick up the New York Times and read the New York Times because you think everything's true. You read it and go, huh, I wonder where they got that from. You scrutinize it, you use objective reasoning. You go, I wonder if that's all the way true. I don't know, but you'll read the paper and then you'll make your own decision. Why don't you just pick up a Bible? I challenge you, download the Bible, start reading it. And then you decide, is this true or is this not? Does this fit with my worldview? Does it challenge my worldview? Is it truth? Is it not? I dare you to try that, amen? So here's what happens. Paul's saying, hey, what if there are a group of people that allowed the spirit of God to control their behavior. Like what if there's this thing called the church that said, you know what, I'm not gonna be left to my natural desires. I'm not just gonna do whatever feels right. I'm gonna live on a, on a different level. I'm gonna ascribe to a different philosophy. I'm gonna allow God to impact my decisions. And all of a sudden he's saying, what if God was allowed, people allowed God to into their human nature so that he could breathe life in and the spirit of God could take in residence in their life and they could live in a new way as new creations. And here's what happens. Paul's talking to Greeks and Romans and as he's sharing the good news, it changed their world radically. So much so that if you walk the streets of Rome now, you'll see crosses hanging everywhere where at one point in the Colosseum, they were lining up Christians to kill them. And eventually they're like, we don't have enough. Like they keep, we keep killing them. They just keep coming back. They willingly go to death. Who does this? And now Rome is like, there's more places to celebrate Christ in Rome than any other place on the planet. And here's what he says to the church at Galatia, writing in verse 16, chapter five. So, everyone say so. So. I say, walk by the Spirit 
and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Natural is selfish and sinful. How do I know that? I have kids. I've never seen two two-year-olds share and go, no, you first, after you. Doesn't happen, doesn't happen, why? Because by nature you're born selfish. You have to be taught this stuff. Now this is kind of interesting, watch this. He goes on, basically in other words he's saying, if you go natural, it's not pretty. If you let nature rule, your natural appetites will kill you and kill other people. If you just unchecked, it's not pretty. In fact, he would say it's completely sinful, and the list goes on. And he goes on. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Everyone say obvious. Here's what obvious means. Paul's going to show us a list of things, of sins. And no one in here is going to go, oh, people do that? No. No way, bro. Come on. You're not going to say that. Obvious means, yeah, of course people do that. You're going to go, I actually know people that do that. I actually see those people. I actually see him in the mirror like every day. I know him. Here's what he says. Galatians 5.19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual morality. Idolatry. Things before God. Things before people. That's what idolatry is. Witchcraft, which is just power for personal gain. They're using tapping into spiritual stuff that's not good. Hatred, discord, jealousy. Some of you people don't even like, some of you guys look at other people and you're like, I don't like them. Why? Because she's, maybe she looks a little better than you or he's got more money than you and you're like, what is he driving? I don't like him. It's jealousy. Am I real? Am I being real? No one in here, but you know what I'm saying. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and then he adds and the like, which basically just means etc. That's human nature. That's humankind without a God-informed conscience. That's God. That's a spiritual person that's wired to know God without the Spirit of God living to just fulfill the pleasures and the lust of your desire. That's literally what happens. And what happens is, here's what he says. He's saying, we have laws for all those things. You have laws. Thank God for laws because they hold some of us back from doing some really stupid things. And that's what, the, that's what humankind needs. Laws to restrict and laws to rein in so that we don't kill one another. And praise God for our law enforcement officers. We have lots of law enforcement officers here in our church. Can we just give it up for our LEOs in our community? I love you guys. We're a church for you. But yet we still do those things. We still do those things. So what's, what's the catch? He goes on, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, which Spirit? the Holy Spirit that launched the New Testament church and emboldened all those people thousands of years ago to live for Christ. That Holy Spirit informs your consciousness, that Holy Spirit that wars with nature, the Holy Spirit that when you gave your life to Jesus, all of a sudden you're like, why do I feel bad about this now? I used to be able to do this with no conviction and now all of a sudden I have to stop doing this. I can't smoke that, I can't go there. When I look at that, I wanna look at that, but I can't look at that and I feel bad when I look at that. I have this war in me right now and the Bible says whoever's gonna win is whoever you're feeding more. And it says the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit, through the Spirit, watch this. This is, this is what it is. This is what energized the first century church. 
You're like, I can't get this church thing right. Like, I tried so hard to be good, and it just doesn't work, man. Like, this is hard. I know. Christianity is not difficult. Christianity is not cumbersome. Christianity is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit. Tweet that. Underscore that without Christian, without the Holy Spirit living in you, you can't do any of this. And some of you have been trying. You're like, why do I keep going back to that stuff? Why do I keep giving into that stuff? Here's why: because the fruit, the byproduct of life with the Spirit, is something completely different than the natural. And guess who is the number one proponent of this? Who is the per, who is the group of people that are championing people? They're saying God's got something better for you. I love nonprofits, and I love people that are working in. NGOs across the nation, but if you're not powered by the Holy Spirit, the local church is still the hope of the world. And without us, if without that message, people left to themselves will be soup, will be so up a creek. And God has come to tell you this morning, you need the Spirit of God, and the local church matters because the local church believes in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not, this isn't going to be some weird service. We're at the end of service. You're going to have to get up and flop on the ground. And, no, 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 no. It's like, here are your flags. Here's your shofar. I believe God can do anything. And I believe God, there's all the gifts, gifts of tongues, all that. But what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. Holy Spirit's not weird. People get weird with it. The Holy Spirit is what God came to establish. It's what he came to die for so he could breathe on this world and that people could be filled with the Holy Ghost and go, you know what, man, I got these gifts and not all gifts are, not everyone has all the gifts, but you got some gifts and here's what the byproduct of living with the Spirit is. Here's what happens. All of a sudden you're like, I don't think I should go there. I don't think I should look at that. I don't think I should type that. I don't think I should eat that. I don't think I should cheat here. I, the, the spirit that begins to inform our consciousness to move and live and act in ways that on our own naturally we would never have done. It's the spirit that moves you to live a life that even if there weren't any laws, you would still do the right thing because the Holy Spirit's informing your consciousness to do what God would want to do to please the spirit, not to please the flesh. Are you tracking with me, church? But the fruit of the spirit, watch this, is love. What's love? You first. Let me lay down my life for you. How can I help you? What do you need? It's not me first, it's you first. Love is, hey, have my seat. I'm gonna sacrifice for you. Even though there's nothing coming back my way, even though if I don't, I'm not giving to get something, I'm just giving, I'm loving, I'm serving. Why? Because I've been served by an amazing God who loves me no matter what. And the least I could do is to show my God that I love him, to live a life that's purely sacrificed to him, saying, God, I serve people out of sacrifice unto you. Because if I wanna show you love, then I can love the children that you have here on earth. So I'm just gonna love I'm gonna love God by loving people. That's what we're about here at Active Church. That's why it says on the back of our serve shirts, love God, love people, pursue excellence, do your best, and have fun, choose joy. Why? Because that's the fruit of the spirit. That's what we do. Love is, here you go, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, faithfulness, goodness, all these things. Faithfulness is like, if I said it, watch this, if I said it, I'll do it. Not because I'm, oh, uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we got married and, and, and I'm still in it, but I, you know, if I wouldn't have this piece of paper, we'd be done. No, 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 faithfulness is like, I said it for the good and the bad. I'd be here in sickness and in death, I'd be, health. I'd be, I'd be there for you no matter what because I'm faithful. I just wanna be here for you. Like if I said I'm gonna help you out, I got you. I don't need a law to tell me to do that. I'm just here because I'm faithful to my God. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness, self-control. Self-control. This runs contrary to everything nature tells you to do. In fact, I think about this. What if we just had a, a week where everyone was self-controlled? You'd be happier, I guarantee it. You'd be healthier. Imagine a month. Imagine a month where I said, hey guys, I'm the leader of the free world. Uh, this month, we are self-controlled. Would that be a better month or a worse month? Better. Imagine if we just took one of these, like peace, patience, kind of self-control, like all this, like husbands. If you, would you have a better, a better marriage if you had more patience? If you had more self-control? What would happen to, to businesses? What would happen to, to environments like schools and communities and churches if we were like, forget the rest of us, if we just pick one of those, love, joy, peace, if we had more, I think something amazing would happen. I think if everybody in our culture embraced just one value from the, the local church teaches, that the gospel teaches, the New Testament teaches, I think life would be better. I think we'd have the Zoe life that Jesus promises where he says, hey, the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. I think Christianity wouldn't just be a place where you get salvation. I think people would look at the local church and go, man, there's something different about their lives. They have a full life, an overflowing life. And that's the life that Jesus promises when we're filled with God's spirit and acting in ways that align with what he teaches through the gospel, through the New Testament in the local church. So does the local church matter? Absolutely. Does the local church matter? 1,000% yes. And the Apostle Paul ends with this little dialogue, this little brilliant little nugget. If you've, if you, if you've read this before, you might, have over, you might have just skipped over it. But this next little phrase, Paul finishes and he, and here's what he says when it's a life that's filled with the Spirit. Watch this, Galatians 5.22. Against such things, there is no law. Against such things, there is no law. You're like, well, I thought it was gonna be something big, Pastor. Like, what? Well, I kind of fell flat. No, 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 listen, listen, listen. You see, it's huge. If you checked out for a minute, Check back in. The band, you can come up. We're gonna land this plane. We're gonna, we're gonna receive our offerings here in a moment. Listen, he says when it comes to the natural deeds of the flesh, we have to have laws to control them, right? Murder, crime, all these things. Don't do that. There's laws. And there's places you send people that break those crimes or break those laws, right? Thank God we have places we can say, hey, you're not willing to play by the rules. 
you're going to jail. But he says, we have laws for that. But he says, when it comes to the natural needs of the flesh, we have to have laws to control that behavior. But when an individual, watch this, when a family, when a community, when a culture, when a nation embraces the deeds and the activities fueled by the Spirit of God, say with me, when the church stands up for truth and the church says, we're going to love people that are nothing like us, but we're going to be filled with the Spirit, and we're going to adopt a set of values, and we're going to believe these things. When a people group rallies around these types of things, there's no need for law. You see, you never hear someone say, hey, stop with all that patience. Just too much patience. We need a rule. People are too patient around here. You never hear, I've, never, I've yet to meet a married couple going through crap and they go, come into the office and they say, we're going through it. What's wrong? He just loves me too much. <laughs> Look at him over there, buying me flowers all the time, listening to my stories, being attentive, doing the dishes, putting the toilet seat down, putting the cap on the thing. Like, look at him, he just loves me too much. Like, imagine if our marriage is, like the only problem we have is like, man, she loves me so well, I wanna be better than her. Like, you don't need a rule for self-control. Hey, stop self-controlling so much. No! Why? Because watch this, where there is flesh in the natural left to itself with no church, no gospel, no New Testament, no families raising up next generation kids to believe that the God of the universe loves them, he's for them, and he has a better way for them. Without that, you have natural, and you need laws and big governments and big tech to go, hey, we got to squash all this stuff and put it in a category, but where there is freedom and where there is Jesus, you don't need all that because, listen, Paul understands against such things, there is no law. Does the local church matter? Bank on it. Is the local church worth building? Bank on it. Do communities get better when people are rallied behind the message of Jesus? Not just so they can go to heaven. That's great. That's icing on the cake. Like we get to go to heaven, party hardy, woo -hoo. But when we build the local church, do communities and cities and neighborhoods and people and lives, are the oppressed given a voice? You better believe it. It's the church. Listen, it's the local church that says every person I see eyeball to eyeball with is someone that's made in the image of God. So I love that person. It's the local church that says, you know what? It's the powerful that should serve the powerless. Come on, somebody. It's the local church that sees those that are they're widowed and orphaned and says, you know what? We gotta get rallied together because someone needs to take care of those because James, the brother of Jesus said, true religion is to take care of orphans and widows. So I don't know about you, but I wanna be a church that takes care of people. It's the local church family, come on. It's that it says forgiveness is better than bitterness. It's the local church that says, hey, Give to people that can never give back to you. It's a local church that says, husbands, do you love your wives sacrificially? See, it's in the local church that the good news, that the Bible is proclaimed, that life is met with spirit and the natural becomes supernatural. 
and void of the spirit of God, there is chaos in the natural. But when the super meets the natural, we have Holy Spirit power. It's the church that says, you know what? Tolerance is not enough. We gotta love people. And sometimes love says, I'm gonna get in your face and tell you, I love you, but you're doing the wrong thing, bro, and you need to change. Love says, hey, sis, come here, we, let's talk. And love says, I'm not gonna leave you out on the curb. I'm gonna restore you back. You're broken, let me help you get up. You're hurting, let me encourage you. You're tired, let me give you some help. Local churches are all across this great nation and all across the globe are proclaiming Jesus is the Lord. And if you give your life to him, it's not just about heaven. It's about bringing heaven to earth so that people might know that our God is good and he's real and he has a plan and a purpose for every single person that's breathing air on this planet. Is the local church matter? I've given my life to this. Yes, this thing matters. It's the church that continues to draw attention to the fact that every single life, born and unborn, has insurmountable value to a God that created and knit that baby in a mother's womb. It's the local church that says, there's little girls right now being brought into orphanages in parts of Asia because they are not as valuable as the boys. And there's local churches all across the globe saying, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna adopt those little girls and we're gonna bring them in and say that they're loved and that they are cared for and that they have value to God because they matter to us. Because if they matter to God, they matter to us. That's what the local church teaches. And every single time Jesus is preached to a community, the people, women, have more value. Children are more valued. People, the oppressed, are more value. That's what the local church is all about. It's not just a message of hope for Sunday. It's a message for hope in this dark and broken world that needs the light of Jesus. Come on, let's give God a hand clap. I want to just show you a quick video of just some people in our church family that have been impacted by this local church. and valued by this community. So we love serving on a regular basis. Giving me a group to belong to. When we first came to church, I felt like I was left out from him in the darkness, but he um, came back with my life and gave me light. And um, he's just been so good these past four years in this church.
group of people that are amongst the most genuine. Having the love and respect of all the women and everybody in the church. I felt so loved and welcomed the minute I kind of like stepped back into the group. I feel like I belong there. I've been challenged to grow and become more like Jesus. Um, it really transformed my life. Brought me back to community. It really made me feel comfortable. Always here to just welcome anyone in any place or phase of life that they're in. We're connected to life group. Full of a group of people that genuinely cared about me. A second family. It's been wonderful. Creating like a really safe community for growth. I love Active Church. That's it. <laughs>
and just say something like this in your own heart. Just say, God, I, I, I freely give to you because you freely gave to me. God, would you do in others what you've done for me? Would you make your will happen on this earth, God? Would this church be a beacon of hope, a light into the world, a city on a hill? And as we build your church, we know it's not about a building, God, but it's about you igniting a church on fire for your kingdom so that people would know all across this area that Jesus is Lord. Would you multiply it like the fish and the loaves, God? We give to you today sacrificially, God, because you first sacrificially gave to us by giving us Jesus. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's worship, church. Come on.